Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B playbook. Oh my God, Kevin, I'll tell you what, you know, the five Bs is not always a good thing. Oh, why is that, George? I know, I know. You probably thought I'd never, ever say that. Uh, look, Kevin, uh, it was probably, was it last week? Maybe the weekend before. A very good friend of mine is very into wines and he's started his own, um, like it's like wine Instagram page where he's reviewing wines and he's very good at storytelling. He's a great character. And I said to him, you know what, mate, like, if you ever want to chat about what you're doing, building an audience, you know, it's what we're doing here for our business. Like, let's just go for dinner and have a conversation about it. And I can walk you through some of our strategy that we go through in our podcast. And he was like, absolutely. How about this Friday? And I said, sure thing. Like just book somewhere, you know, really casual. Like I don't want to think too pricey. He goes, no worries. Kevin, we get there. And I started getting really scared at the point where, the guy came over with the wine list and my friend started asking if they had any wines out the back that were not on the list. And I, I did not even know that that was possible, Kevin. Oh, and <laughs> I got even more scared. I got even more scared when he goes, I've got the perfect thing for you. It's blah, blah, blah from this region in France. And he goes, look, mate, I don't want to spend too much. Nothing over 150 <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, like, please, no, please, no. Anyway, I figured, you know, what we're here to talk about is, you know, potential wine business and wine, like, uh, 
whatever. Okay, fine. I didn't want to fight him on it. So he orders that bottle. Then um, I've popped out to the bathroom very quickly, Kevin, about halfway through our meal. And of course, he picked the um, the feed me menu, which is, you know, obviously everyone knows the biggest ripoff. It's where the restaurant gives you a little tasting of everything. But, you know, you end up paying way more than you would have had you just ordered your own meals. And I popped out to the bathroom. Next thing I know, there's a bottle of red on the table as well. And my God, Kevin, when the bill came, I thought I didn't want to spend more than $40 that night. The total bill came to $440. Wow. And we had to split it down the middle. So um, that's the most I'd say I've ever paid anyone to give them marketing advice. I don't think (laughs) I've ever paid anyone for marketing advice, but that seems to be how much it costs to give someone some marketing advice. Look, be helpful. Sometimes there's the price to pay, Kevin. My God, that was... um, that was a shock. That was a real shock to the system. Oh, George, maybe next time you'll need to vet your audience a little better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, to be honest, that was on me. Uh, he, he can very, very easily get carried away. Uh, I was not surprised. Well, I was surprised because I wanted to pay $40 and instead we we're paying 220 each. Oh, dear. My God, Kevin. I don't know. How do people live like this? I, I don't understand. Anyway, anyway, wonderful night. Um Great little Insta page, Phil underscore up underscore your underscore glass for uh, <laughs> for all your wine needs. Actually, it's not really for all your wine needs. It's like if you want to see a guy who loves wine review very nice wines and describe it beautifully, check it out. Lovely, George. And uh, I'm sure you'll eventually recuperate from that evening. <laughs> yeah, maybe never financially, <laughs> we'll say. And anyway, Kev... <laughs> That's his, uh, that's his product. And today, actually, we're talking about product ads. We're in B-Scene. We're in the third season of our 5Bs framework of the B2B Playbook podcast. And B-Scene is really all about how to amplify the awesome content that you guys have created in the previous step. Be helpful to the decision makers of the buying committee of the target accounts that you are targeting. We also spoke about how you can use account-based marketing to really start to narrow down your marketing efforts at this stage. And we've also been giving people a little bit more detail, Kevin, about the types of channels that they should be considering. Of course, we say it really comes down to your dream customer and where it is that they hang out online and where it is that they like to learn. And today, Kev, I want to talk about product ads because up until now, Kevin, we've really said that you should be using your paid advertising budget to just amplify your helpful content to the right people. And Kev, this is true. But George, big but, um, we also want to educate our dream customers on all the awesome benefits of our own product as well. And you can do this by paying a few dollars to do that. That's right. So yes, we are going in with that helpful mindset. We are still trying to push that helpful information to them, which Kev, I think is a real point of difference that I don't see really any other businesses out there doing. Like there's a couple who are, but there's so few who are using their paid media budget that way. And absolutely that's where you should be using it. But we may as well use a bit of that sweet paid media budget to educate our dream customers about the great things that our product does and the great benefits that it can bring to our dream customers. So I want to spend this episode, Kev, talking about a bit of a framework, I guess, as to how our listeners can go about doing that for their own business. Yeah, because there is still that space for running paid product ads. 
and it can be a very helpful step and a very helpful lever within your marketing mix but just approach it as you know product ads and with it is a specific framework to uh, follow and to have it work in a particular place within your 5b's approach and that's what we're talking about today as george said the best way to create these product ads so let's start by looking at what information should those ads include well kev like anything it really starts with research and that deep understanding of the customer so We've got a list of questions for you guys to ask um, in those customer interviews so we can really tease out the information that we can then put into our product ads that uh, means that we're going to actually uh, get the most out of them. Again, Kev, you and I were probably guilty of this a little bit back in our agency days when people were like, oh, what message should I put in my advertising? And we'd be like, ah, I don't know, let's test it. We'll just test, test, test and see what works. And now we're like, oh, no, 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 no. Let's let's start with like deep customer research, literally ask people pointed specific questions that elicits the information that we want and let's put that into our ads because we know that that is probably going to work much better. 100% George. And I'll just add to that in saying that you know, if you are engaging with an agency, if you are working with agency partners, they might be doing their best to do this for you. But sometimes when you're on the agency side, it's hard to get this information directly. So you have to work with your agency partners to provide some of these insights to them. And you know, if they're asking for some of this stuff, do keep in mind that they're really trying to help you. They're trying to understand your customers, trying to understand where those touch points are. Sometimes often that breakdown in communication or miscommunication at that point is a very big limitation factor to the effectiveness of an agency that you might not otherwise know. So make sure to take a note of the questions that are coming up uh, and share it with your agency if you work with one or make sure you work with the in-house team who are running ads to ensure that they're including some of this information within those ads. And it shouldn't be a big lift. Um, As George said, this is something that you should be gathering in customer interviews, which at this point you probably would have already done. Um, But just in case you haven't, here's a couple of questions for you for your best customers when you interview them. Now, that's a great clarification, Kev. Um, You know, often the agencies don't have the resources to do it. A lot of this work you and I think needs to be done in-house. You have to deeply understand the customers in-house. If you're not doing that, then, you know, sort of what are you doing? It is a real fundamental thing to understand. So I would say, Kev, let's start by interviewing five to 10 of your best customers. And by that, I mean the customers that fit your business like a glove. And let's find out the greatest benefits of your product from them. So Kev, questions to ask your five to 10 best customers. I'll kick us off. The first one is, what are the biggest benefits of our product? So if I'm speaking to the customer, asking them, what are the biggest benefits of our product and what are the most useful features of our product? Now, their responses there are quite clearly going to tell you, hey, this is what the best thing is about your product. Now, when it comes to benefits, it might be something like, you know, saving time, saving money, whatever it is that your product does. But when it comes to features, they might be like, oh, that custom report that your tool generates is actually really helpful for me to understand XYZ about my business and then it makes it easier for me to communicate this to my boss. In which case, that is awesome. That is really specific. So I'll say when we're asking about features of the product, it's best to get specifics if you can. And Kev, we had a conversation with Rand Fishkin, founder of Moz, founder of Spark Toro, and we said, uh, you know, 
uh, communicate benefits of her features. And he actually chimed in and said, you know what, actually, in today's world, it's not the worst thing to communicate features because you have the power of reaching the niche that is a perfect match for your product. So you can actually mention features that are gonna be super super specific, super helpful, and it's gonna make a lot of sense to that person rather than something maybe a little bit more generic um, about benefits like time, money, whatever it might be. Anyway, gather both, please. They're very, very helpful. Yeah, and as Ryan was saying there with uh, talking about features of your product, it's important to keep in mind that if you're talking to a technical audience in particular, they're probably gonna respond to information about features more because they're trying to tick a list of technical features that they need within a product or service. Instead of looking at the benefits, they know the benefits, uh, they're actually really just looking for the features. So again, it comes back to knowing your audience, being targeted as George said, with who you're showing that information to because the response can be quite different for the same message. I'll also add another note here to these first two questions that George has given uh, for you to ask your best customers, best benefits, most useful features. Be sure not to ask any leading questions. Uh, don't give them too many examples or uh, choices to pick from. It's ideally coming from them in their own words. One, it helps with the quote side, but two, when you're asking leading questions, it really skews the results that come through. Maybe that isn't what is front of mind, but they've just chosen you know, the, the most leading example that you've given them or the easiest one to choose on paper. So be sure to ask open-ended questions and not give them a choice list to pick from. All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. Ah, oh, very good, Kev. That's your legal training coming into play. No leading questions. <laughs> very good. Um, Kev, something else that our listeners should really ask is, before using our product, what tools or products were used beforehand? So it really helps you understand the state of what they were using before, how that was working out for them, so you can understand what caused that change, what triggered that change. Another question to ask, Kev, is how does our product actually fit into the job that you have at hand into your role? How does it help you execute the work that you need to do? Yeah, you might've heard the term, you know, jobs to be done. And particularly in the SaaS space, people talk about building a product around uh, jobs to be done, uh, question or framework or something like that. It's a similar idea here, um, basically asking your ultimate customers, what are they trying to achieve? What's the circumstance or context within which that they're looking to engage your product or service? What is that thing or project that they're trying to solve for? Kev, another crucial one to ask is, you know, why did you decide to buy our product? Now, when you ask someone that, you can actually find out, I guess, one, 
what was the number one feature or benefit to actually buying the product? And then two, like what was the greatest pain? What was the greatest pain that you guys touched on that led them to go, you know what, let's just put the money into it. Let's get this rolling. Let's buy this product or service. So that's going to help you find out that information. And related to that, Kevin is asking them, you know, what problems were you looking to solve when you started to evaluate the different tools or services that us and our competitors provide? So we can get a really good understanding as to what those other problems were. So we said that the question before, why did you decide to buy a product? That might elicit the most painful thing. And this next question is going to go, okay, well, what other problems were around there, which maybe weren't the most painful, but were still problems that this tool helped solve that are important to your business. And finally, Kev, just ask, how would you like to see it improved? Now, that's probably not something that you're going to work into your product ads, but it's uh, definitely useful information that you can take into the business, pass it on to the product team and pass it on to the team who's uh, looking at the future roadmap. And sometimes it's just another great way to get some insights because that's the sort of question that might stimulate the customers to think outside the box a little bit about the main use cases. They might start thinking about the periphery problems that the product may solve or already are solving. And that could add a little bit more to the information that you're gathering as well. Now for our astute listeners who might have noticed that a lot of these questions are actually aligning quite well with the five stages of awareness and the content that you need to produce for each of those awareness stages. That is true. That is part of the reason why you're asking some of these questions. And we'll touch more on this later in the episode, but keep that in mind as you're going through these questions. You know, We're really trying to find out what are the thought processes going on through your dream customers' heads as it goes through each stage of awareness. Oh, that's a great little teaser for later on. I like that, Kevin. Very good. But yeah, look, it's absolutely. It's going to give you an indication as to what's going in their head so we can get into their mind, so we can understand them. And that means that when we're going to use our paid media, we're going to have messaging that actually speaks to these people in a way that they understand, in a way that they actually care about. So they're the questions that we'd really ask, Kev, uh, initially to understand the benefits of the product, the features, what's crucial, get into their heads. Kev, product comparison questions are also really, really important. So asking something like, what other products or services did you consider is quite crucial as it tells you why the customer went with you over the competition. And that can really help you craft your unique value proposition. So what is it that you guys did as a business that is better than your competition? Or what is it that you communicated about your business that you do better than the competition that is so important to your dream customers? So that is really, really essential because as we know, Kev, with the five stages of awareness, at some point, they're going to start comparing you to your competition as potential solutions. So we want to understand what that benefit or feature was so we can put that in our product ads. Listeners, we don't generally like to talk about tactics, as you know, on this podcast, but there is one here that is worth mentioning that this particular question goes directly towards competition pages. So that's a web page, that's a page on your website where you compare the benefits and features of your product or service versus your closest competitors. And it's just an easy way for your customers to find out why you're better than your competition and all the things that they would be getting that you they wouldn't otherwise be getting from the competition. And so that is definitely a tactic, uh, but in order to fill that page out effectively, in order to get the messaging right and all the features half done for you, 
this is a very important question to ask your dream customers. What other products or services did you consider? And Kev, I'll just build on that a little bit. And we kind of cover it a bit later in this conversation too, when we talk about don't make your ads look like ads. In those product comparison pages, I find the best ones are the ones that are brutally honest, the ones that actually show how your product compares to the competition and sometimes showing, hey, they do things that we don't. But the thing that you care about, the thing that we've done for you because we're the perfect fit for you, we do that better than them. And often that honesty, that transparency um, helps people discover, I think, in a more obvious way that you're the right fit just for them, which is what we're all looking for. And that's better for your business as well. You don't want a lot of people coming into the business, coming into the product and not finding what they want and then leaving and leaving a bad review or bad word of mouth going around. That's not what you want. You don't need those users. What you actually need is users who are perfect fit for you that you can keep growing, keep cementing your foothold in the market with and then expand that over time as you build out the product and develop the product. That's it. That's why your positioning is so important. And then the messaging that you use to communicate that positioning so they can see that you're the right choice just for them. All right, Kev, some more questions now. A question that we get pretty often to us actually is, where should I be advertising? And I think last episode, Kev, we spoke a little bit about common B2B channels that people should be advertising in. And we always clarify, hey, look, it's not a one-size-fits-all Uh, solution. What you need to do is, again, deeply understand your customers and ask them these questions to know where it is that they're hanging out so you know where to place your advertising to influence them. So three questions we love to ask is, one, where do you research products like ours? Two, how did you discover our product? And three, what process do you use to research purchases? So that's going to tell us pretty much like, I guess, what channels what places of influence they go to, to discover new products, how they discovered your product. And then you can start to reverse engineer the buying journey. And then that's where we know, hey, we've got to start appearing at these events, at these conferences. We should start uh, going into LinkedIn and running some paid advertising here because that is a spot of influence. Hey, they're really active in these LinkedIn or Facebook or Instagram groups, whatever it might be. So let's start to work our way in there. Or you know what? Actually, a lot of them subscribe to this newsletter or this podcast. So hey, maybe we can throw some sponsorship dollars at that particular community. So don't just do it blindly. Ask the questions, understand where it is, where these influential places are, and then use your resources to work or buy your way into them. All right, George, let's circle back around that point of not making your ads look like ads. And what we mean by this is, listeners, you can make your ads look a lot more organic than what is out there. And what we mean by that is make it look natural, make it look like a normal post, a normal piece of helpful content instead of an ad. I mean, it's already quite obvious that it will be an ad. There's things like sponsored or ad tags along the post, along the piece of content that you're putting out there in the form of an ad. Um, but otherwise, you can make that ads content look very natural or make it humorous. You know, memes can work okay. And we don't advocate for, for memes because we think there's too much of that already. And we don't really want to totally lose our brand or let that affect our brand, but it has its place. It, it can work. So make sure to try and add 
your own sense of humor, the, the brand's own sense of humor or angle or content tilt, whatever it might be. And all that will make it look even more natural. That's it, Kev. We've spoken about it before, but we're all suffering from banner blindness. Um, I can't remember the statistic, but the number of ads that are imposed on us that we see every day is something extraordinary. And so if you make your ad look like an ad, chances are part of your brain's going to be like, hey, this is an ad. And then you just scroll right past it and ignore it. I mean, just think about just yourself. What was the last ad that you even remembered when you were scrolling on LinkedIn? Like which one made an impression on you? I, I guarantee you that you've scrolled past like 95% of them. So how do you get the cut through? Well, like actually try and make it organic. Try and make it look engaging. Don't make it look like everyone else's. Use a bit of humor, as you've said, Kev. Use colors that stand out. Maybe look a little bit wacky. You know, try and maintain that brand image. But do something to stand out. Another tip, listeners, is that the best ads tend to leverage people who are trusted in your industry or space that you're playing in. And using those trusted people to communicate the benefits of your product or service within your ads. This really lends a different level of credibility to what you're saying in those ads. And Kev, people are probably like, oh, that's going to be so hard to do because I'm going to have to find an industry influencer. I'm going to have to get them to say amazing things about my business and brand. I'll tell you what we do for our clients, Kev. They co-host webinars with other influential people in their industry. And then all we do is just take little snippets of those webinars, some really key points. They're like still five minutes long at least. And then we do organic posts around it, tag those people in it, and then we run those as ads. And then all of a sudden, we have other influential people in, in our industry. We have organic content. We're running it as ads to people who want to consume that content. And yes, part of it is going, hey, look, we're actually a great brand too. They're saying really good things about our company and our work in the industry. So then we're the ones who don't have to say it. And then that way, people actually start to listen. Be sure to ask for permission, of course. Uh, when in doubt, do ask for permission to do that before you launch it. Give them a heads up. But when you're doing it that way, as George has described through the organic repurposing of organic content that's already out there, generally they will say yes. It looks good for both your brand and them. Kev, the next point we've already kind of touched on, which is actually try and be specific with your ads. You know, we always say, you know, uh, focus on benefits, not features. And we spoke about how Rand actually challenged that and said, you know what, if you have a really well-defined ideal customer profile and you have a real product market fit, sometimes marketing features can work really well. I mean, another example of that is Kev, I was looking for a tool that lets me scrape all the followers of my LinkedIn profile because I wanted to see who was engaging the most and do just a bit more analysis. And then in came Phantom Buster. And they had really specific messaging saying, I could do exactly that. I could do that exact you know, uh, profile scrape from LinkedIn. And that's far more effective than something generic. You know, If they put through a message that was like, you know, save time with LinkedIn automation tools. I'm like, well, you know, I get 50 of those ads a day, but this one targeted the exact feature that I needed and they got me. I think listeners is probably a good segue now to make to the five stages of awareness. I think George there was probably at that problem and worst stage, solutions the worst stage, and he's trying to find the perfect solution. And that's when you really come in with that uh, messaging that Phantom Buster did, which is very specific to a feature that he was looking for, a feature set that he was looking for. And that's why it really worked for George. At that stage of awareness, 
you do need to communicate features. You don't need to communicate benefits anymore. At that stage, people are looking for features that they already know they are after. Yeah, Kevin, I'll just add that on the five stages of awareness, and we did a whole episode of the five stages of awareness. If you would just approach all of this about thinking about how do I usher um, my dream customer through these five stages of awareness, and you create not just your content, but your product ads, um, you know, to be aligned with this, I feel, Kev, that it actually just makes you remember that there's a real human on the other side of these ads. So it helps you communicate in a way that they're actually going to listen and it helps you put messages to them that are going to resonate. You know, we can't just treat people like zombies staring at your billboard. The humans at the end of the day, they have questions and the five stages of awareness is a terrific way of creating the content and the information that they need to know and a great way of, um, I guess, framing what to put into your product ads. Now, we've said that generally when you approach ads in this BC stage, you should be looking at it to amplify your helpful content to hit those five stages of awareness and the users that you're going after within those five stages of awareness where you can't otherwise reach them through organic ways. And it's a way of guaranteeing that you have that touch point. Another use that we're talking about today and what, we focus, what we've been focusing on in this episode is ads can actually just fit in those later stages of the five stages of awareness when it comes to product ads. Um, but at the same time, despite that, despite that fitting into the later stages of awareness, you can still be human in those ads. As George said, you can still be helpful. Yes, you can call out features in those later stages. Yes, you can use ads to do that, but you can still do that in a human way. There's a different way to do it. You don't have to copy what's already out there, which is very mundane, very similar, you know, blue messaging with the, with the benefits and your typical SaaS business calling out how you save time and automate things and Here's XYZ feature to help you do that. Be a little bit more interesting. Be a bit more human. Bring in the brand's personality, the content to what have you. You can still call out the benefits, but you can do it in a tone that doesn't make you seem like a zombie. Beautiful, Kev. Let's round that out with the key takeaways. And the first one is, as always, product ads should really start with a deep understanding of the customer. So listeners, do your research first. The second one is, Make sure you nail down really the three to five different things that you want to educate your dream customer on about your product or service and just use that to begin with. And finally, Kev, don't make your ads look like boring ads or they're just going to have little to no impact. Great summary, George and listeners. Very important, that last point. Don't be boring. We've said it before and we'll say it again, particularly when you're doing ads. All right, listeners, you can find everything that we've discussed in the show notes. We're so grateful that each week more and more of you tune in every Monday morning to listen to the podcast. If we can ask one thing, it would be to please leave us a short review on whatever platform you listen on or one better, to pass it on to someone that you think would get value from the show. It's an amazing help to us, to our future listeners, and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Take care and see you next week. Thank you, Kevin. And to anyone who is still listening... I will just say, Kevin and I, for some reason, have not pre-recorded this outro, and we actually bother rereading it and even changing up a little bit every week. Not sure why, but anyway, thank you for listening right to the end. Take care, Kev. Take care, listeners. Catch you next week. 
A quick note before you go, listeners, you can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.